Hello, I'm Brandon Ward, co-host of The Inner Entrepreneur. In this episode, we're recapping our burnout series, where Paul and I discuss over several episodes the entire process of recognizing burnout, the different stages of burnout, and how to remedy burnout. We wanted to bring everything together in one nice summary episode to touch on all the things that we discussed and provide actionable insights that you could take in your life if you're experiencing burnout as an entrepreneur. This is a great standalone episode, but it's also going to provide context into our past episodes that we did on burnout and bring it all together. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Inner Entrepreneur, a place where soul meets strategy and passion meets profit. Success in business is about more than mastering the external. It's an internal game. Ready to play? Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Inner Entrepreneur. I'm Brandon Ward. I've got my co-host, Paul Ryan. Good afternoon. How you doing today, Paul? You're in Ireland right now. We always talk about this, our time it's zones. It's cold and You're dark. a little darker Cold there. and dark here. Winter has arrived. Winter has arrived. I feel like that makes you appreciate the spring though, doesn't I it? I love all seasons and that's the truth, but they all bring something, they all bring something special that I really enjoy. So I'm fortunate from that point of view. The winter brings the opportunity to light the fires and stay indoors. And I really enjoy that. And then I enjoy the summer as well. So it's all there. Yeah. Enjoying the ride. Yes, that's what it's that's about. It. That is for sure. So today we're going to be recapping our burnout series. It's We didn't come into this planning to do a whole series on burnout, but there was just a lot of depth that we wanted to get into when we were discussing burnout. And we, we told the story of the podcast in our first episode of how the show came to be and how we met each other. And then from there, it's been about building awareness around the 10 stages or phases of burnout. And then we've gone through the five steps that we have put together on addressing burnout for entrepreneurs. And this episode is about bringing all that together and, and talking about everything at a high level to, to recap how all that stuff comes together and ideally gets you out of a burnout type situation if you find yourself in something like that. This conversation for us really just evolved. And it, it, it wasn't that we set out to, to stay in this topic for multiple episodes. It's just to properly explore the topic and to, and, and to give it the depth that we felt it deserved and to follow the conversation. That's what it took. As we get to this summary, and, and I suppose the reason we headed towards a summary is because when you do six episodes or something, to just encapsulate it all for people to put something together we felt that somebody would be useful and as i was looking at this earlier in the week to, to have this conversation i was going maybe we shouldn't have called it burnout maybe we should have called it the path to freedom because mm. some of it was based this was a, 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 on your experience but a lot of it came from my experience of experiencing burnout and i definitely experienced burnout but burnout is unpleasant and um, is an interesting it's interesting if you're experiencing a but maybe what people are more interesting is what's the path out of that because uh, the path to freedom, maybe, because I went from being a burnt out business owner, entrepreneur into having the, I won't say the ultimate freedom, but a huge amount of freedom where you have a business generating income for you. You have a professional team running that business. It's generating wealth for you and it's asset value. It's generating income from you, but you now have returned back 99% of your time freedom because you're supervising other people running mm -hmm. your business, which is a very different role. So from where most people are, 
that's an enormous amount of freedom to have because it brings with it financial freedom and time freedom. And so really in these conversations and a lot of the podcast is about the path to, to freedom. And we called it the inner entrepreneur because in our conversations, what emerged was that most of this is an internal journey. There are practical steps, but most of it is an internal journey. So, and the other thing about burnout is not everyone will experience complete burnout, but everyone will experience being overwhelmed. And I think that Mm -hmm. what happens is every human being knows what it's like to feel overwhelmed. And when overwhelms a short-term momentary situation because your phone's ringing and you have something to do and the, the baby's crying or whatever. So temporary overwhelm is pe- that's completely natural. When that becomes a chronic condition, when you're living in overwhelm and from day to day, month to month, you're experiencing overwhelm, that overwhelm, you can only sustain that for so long and that overwhelm leads to burnout. So I think almost everyone listening to, listening to this no matter where they are on their journey, they've experienced overwhelm. And we'll go through the 10 steps to recognize burnout. And I think, I don't know what you think about this, Brandon, but I think in some of those steps, you are in overwhelm and you're positioning, you're moving towards burnout if you don't recognize it and do something about it. Overwhelm is like the the net that starts to pick up all these other things along yeah. the way. And that's why I think it's the first component, the first stage of it, because all these other pieces that we're going to talk about, those 10 phases, it really does just start to capture along yeah. and then it starts to burden and build mm-hmm. on you. And I love that you said it's a, a guide to freedom because the burnout, as we said in past episodes, can <laughs> be that slingshot component to getting out of a negative situation. And it's actually those negative environments or situations or challenging points, the pain of situations that can be excellent propellant forward (laughs) into a more ideal life, which is really, and I love that you framed it as a path to freedom because that's what we've broken down over these six, seven episodes around burnout is how to get to freedom though, not to live in, in burnout. And I think it's also relevant in the culture that we live in today because of hustle culture and this whole idea that you have to work all the time and that if you're taking care of yourself or that, that you're not doing the right things or you're not working hard enough or you're lazy. And a lot of those ideas are destructive. You have to absolutely do things that can be challenged. You, you got to push your comfort zones. You're going to be doing a lot of stuff that you probably don't want to be doing at the end of the day as you're on your entrepreneurial journey. There are a lot of things that all of us must do if we have a vision for the world to build and bring something to life. Where we find ourselves and where we want to go, there's absolutely going to be obstacles yeah. along that path. And it's going to be uncomfortable, right? But it's this inner component, as you said, and that's why we're focusing on it, because how you look at those things, how you address them, how you engage with them will determine the likelihood of success or not. And our mindset can have a huge impact on that. And if we find ourselves in burnout or overwhelm, this is how you can start to address it and get out of it and then work towards the beautiful vision that you have Mm -hmm. for your life. But that's the, that's at least the aim that we're hoping for here. It's a, a journey to get through the burnout, the overwhelm, and move into a path of freedom. And I really think, Paul, that's what we're going to call it, is, is the, your guide to freedom, because ultimately that's what this is about. I love the, I love the idea of the net. Uh, you haven't mentioned that before, and I really love this idea of the net gathering. As you move through overwhelm, 
and towards burnout, this idea of the net gathering everything. Because that's really what it is. When you talk through those phases, one step leads to the other. What also it triggers in my mind is, is, is when we began this podcast, we saw two potentially very interesting perspectives on this. And one is the perspective of the early stage entrepreneur, which is where you are in your career. And one is the is in the perspective of the later stage. I'm trying to say it nicely, the later stage entrepreneur. I've been obviously three decades. The old guy thank is you, an entrepreneur. All wise, all wise. Which, that, but it's there's a because we've had these conversations and there's a very different. There is a very different perspective on these things because I'm talking about things that I have experienced now. Obviously. All of these, you've experienced this at different times as well. That you, obviously, yep. I've experienced them, and they led to, and they led to burnout. But I think it is very, very different because the value of having these conversations, <laughs> and I really would love your thoughts on this. But I think the value of having these conversations from someone in, where you're at is you can look down the road ahead, and you can go, hmm. I could potentially, if I'm not careful, as I begin to feel overwhelmed, as I feel that net gathering this little bit, if I'm, if, if I have a recognition that goes, wow, I'm on this path and this is, this is potentially the steps I could head down. You get to make smarter decisions. So when I was walking down that road, I wasn't aware of what was going on. Um. And I didn't become aware until I was at level 10 and I was really at the end of, uh, at the end of the road. So it would have been extremely useful for me if I had a lecture mm. stage entrepreneur to go to who had caught me probably two or three years earlier. That's really what it would been, and go, mate, this, I'm seeing these few symptoms of what's going on with you. And do you realize that this is what's going on? You begin to get overwhelmed. And if you don't ad address this early stage overwhelm, this is where it might lead you. And I think that's really valuable because it allows someone at your stage to step back and go, okay, I still, I, I'm still going to walk down this road, but I've got to be aware that if I take on too much, you know, or if I, I've got to be aware that I, I, I'm just going to do this at a pace that, that is right. And I've got to balance things. And it, I, I'm not saying, because you said it earlier. If you want to achieve something, if you want to build a business, it doesn't matter what you want to do. If you want to become a great sports person, you have to do the work. You have to grind. You have to do the hustle. You don't have to do it to a point where it destroys everything in your life. And, and I think what happens to a lot of people, in my experience, is that they get to where I got to and they don't have, when we talk about the five uh, levels to creating that freedom, the remedy to burnout, as we call it. If they don't come across that information, then they just burn out and they lose their business. It's one of the reasons I think why 90%, 95% of businesses don't succeed and, and, and don't go on to, to prosper. So I think there's a lot of value for an early stage entrepreneur listening to this and going, I'm at stage two or three or one or whatever, or even mm -hmm. none. But I know I'm going down the road where these things are possible and I will recognize them and I'll go, I got to deal with this as opposed to ignoring it because when you're ignoring it, then it continues to spin. And that's what happened to me. Does that make sense from where you're at in your journey? 
Yeah. And Paul, something that I've done throughout my life is I'm very stubborn and make a ton of mistakes myself, but I also have learned from people around me about what not to do and, and how to avoid those mistakes. And that's a prime example of what you're describing right now. So anybody that's early stage entrepreneur or considering becoming an entrepreneur or feeling inspired to be an entrepreneur, I think the, the first component of this is recognizing that it's a marathon. It's a long game that we're on. I, we've talked about this several times, a mountain. We're climbing a mountain. The upside is now is you still got to climb the mountain. It's like there's no way of getting around yeah. doing the work. Sure. But I didn't understand when I was young that there's a difference between discomfort and the work and misery and hell in yeah. yourself. Yeah. And, and you had created a hell for yourself that you were living in addition to the work that you have to do regardless around building a business. Yeah. And hopefully... For our listeners, they can tune into what we're saying, learn from your experiences, just like I am, start to look at the signals and then have tools around you because you will hit these things regardless. If you're trying to do something big with your life, you're going to experience some of these things because ideally you're pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone. But the awareness component of it and the tools that we're providing will help navigate that situation without having to go to a miserable hell on earth in addition to the challenging, difficult work that is required for building a business. And so for me, Paul, that's what I think about is learning from you and your experience and, and how our two perspectives are. We're on the same path. We're, we're driving towards the visions that we have. You can't get away from the work that's got to be done, but you don't have to suffer like hell along the way. And it can be fulfilling. And I think that's something that shifted for me as I've gotten older is things are hard. Things are challenging. They can be uncomfortable. But when you're doing stuff that's aligned with your values and who you are, you can enjoy it. You can actually lean into the discomfort and find fulfillment in because you can look back and go, wow, I'm a different person than I was a year ago. Yeah. The skills that I've gained are insane. I'm, I'm now more resilient and gritty. And I have things to show for. Look at what I've built. And so that's a fulfilling process. But if we don't recognize the things that we've discussed, as you have, you spent years of your life running a successful business from a financial perspective, but you were miserable, man. Yeah. And you almost lost everything that you love. Yeah. The thing about it is I did that because for two reasons. One is because I knew no better. First thing, I, I just didn't know there was a different way you could do it. And secondly is I thought that what is what was expected of me. I thought that's what you do. Like, what are you moaning about? That's what you do. You're a man, you go with a job, you have an opportunity to build a business, you're making good money, shut that up and get on with it. So I really didn't think there was a place for me to go, but I'm finding this really difficult. And, and, and I think... You make a very good point there about the misery. When you say, or when I would have said I'm finding it really difficult, the work was challenging. It's not that the work is not challenging because you can enjoy that challenge. It's the other component. It's the internal. The misery is an internal perspective on what's going on. But when you begin to move into overwhelm and you head towards burnout, it's very difficult not to see everything as miserable. It's very difficult. I, I was listening to a conversation with Elon Musk recently, and he famously talks about sleeping, uh, you know, underneath his desk and all these sort of, sort of things. And I think 
Elon Musk is now one of the most successful, wealthiest men in the world. And I think we cannot compare ourselves to that as a standard because clearly Elon Musk's highest value is growing business without, I, I don't know what exact word, what it, it can't just be growing wealth, but it's whatever. So that's his foremost passion in life. I obviously don't know him personally. To achieve that level of greatness in IT, you obviously need an extraordinary amount of talent. You need an incredible amount of hard work that most people are just not built for. And you need to be willing to make incredible sacrifices. And I don't know how many of those people who achieve great wealth and make those enormous sacrifices. I don't know how many of those at the end of their days are happy with those choices. I think many of them are not, unless somewhere along the road, they wake up and they find balance. I think somewhere Steve Job spoke with that at the end of his days, and he, an incredibly successful man, incredibly thoughtful man, creative man, an enormous contribution to society maybe did damage to his family and to some of his relationships and those sort of things. So I'm not saying don't become Elon Musk or don't become Steve Jobs or Bill Gates if that's your if that's your passion. But it wasn't mine. And for most people it's not. Most people are going to be happier with a more balanced a more balanced life. But society talks about I think it's much more attractive from a point of view, it'll get much more listens when, when someone goes on and talks about the drama and, and, the hard, and, and the hard work. That's just something much more appealing about that than someone going, maybe pull it back a little bit because you've all these other things that are important in your life as well and you might want to find balance. And of course, we don't know how many of these things, these people are using drugs and alcohol and all these sort of things to dull the pain. I'm not saying they are. I'm just saying you've got to be very careful. You've got to be very careful of these things. And we set up a, an image of the great success. And that's what I, I, I never aspired to, to, to build a business that big. But I want to be very successful. And I had an image of this is what successful people do. But I'd never act, actually experienced it. And then found when I did experience it, I thought, I thought to myself, I don't really like this. But, but it took me a mm. while to have the realization because you won't admit it to yourself. Well, at least Paul, when I was in the, when I was running a, I ran a, a CBD cannabis company that I was taking public up in Canada for a year. And it was what I consider my MBA in the business world. And I was hired by a guy to come in and he was going to mentor me as a CEO and I was going to learn and I was going to take the public company public. Mm -hmm. And I was actually reading or listening to Elon's autobiography at this point. And I, before that, before I had finished that position there. I thought that I wanted to be this big, flashy CEO like I had been seeing at these companies, just the people that you were describing similar like that. But once I got an inside look at the lifestyle, that the way they were living, the, the drugs and alcohol that they were abusing, they were never with their family. Many of them were having affairs and going to strip clubs. I was going to strip clubs and doing these things that I didn't want to be doing. I was looking at myself, recognizing I don't want to be this way. There are things that matter to me more than primarily public success or making a bunch of money at the end of the day. Uh, my heart mattered more. My soul mattered more. Those things mattered to me more. The friendships, the 
the connection to myself and life. And to your point, we have to define our version of success. If we let society set those standards, then that's the model that we're going to build around. And if we're not careful, we're going to be following a model that could effectively destroy our well-being and, and the things that we care about, like your family or friendships or health. And that's the danger of this. And that's hopefully the goal. Like with our show, we can present an alternative path to success and what that may mean for each person. Because an entrepreneur does not mean only Bill Gates or sure. Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, somebody starting something from scratch and building mega billion dollar companies. Entrepreneurs are of all walks of life. And ultimately, in my mind, it's about having a vision and driving towards that vision and serving your community and living a life that you truly love, that you've created from your own vision and through your hard work and efforts. That's success. And if, but if we're not careful, we can get swallowed up by what society has defined for us. And I think that's why because I want to get into the the five steps too that we've talked about, Paul. Awareness is our first step because the phases are important because it helps assess where you are in terms of awareness. But awareness is also related to this piece too, your values, how you're thinking about success, and what are you actually driving towards? Because if we're not, if we don't create that awareness, like you said earlier in your career, we're just building a life that we think we should be or we're expected of or whatever it may be, right? And what you're describing there in the role you had where you were lining your, yourself up to be CEO of this public company, what happened to you was you had that moment of awareness. And I think very few people have that moment of awareness because they don't have the ability maybe to reflect or because it's just not what society expects of us. And you said there, we're putting it across an alternative approach. And I think we really are. Um, I, I mix with a lot of business owners and I was like, oh, what country I was in, Italy maybe, and we're, we're around a, a table with about 20 business owners. And one of them said in conversation, what's the point in being in business if you don't want to scale? And of course, everyone nodded and agrees with him because if you're in a business, that's what you do, you scale. And I'm thinking, well, there are lots of reasons to be in business other than scaling a lot. Yeah, lots. Like how about, how about creating a really nice, good business, serving your customers well, providing employment, creating a really good income for yourself and your family, creating wealth so you have long-term financial security, doing it in a way that you get to live a really great lifestyle. And those things are more important to me than scaling. I have a reasonable sized business, but it could be much bigger if, so I've described my values before, my fourth value is wealth. So if my top value was wealth, I'd have a much bigger, I'd have a much bigger business and maybe I want to scale as well. But if I turned it upside down, would that mean my fourth value was family? I'd be a much richer man, but my family life wouldn't be as rich. I wouldn't have a relationship with those three adult sons I have. With, with, yes, three, but those three adult sons are with my wife. And at the end of the day, I really think when I get to my deathbed, and hopefully I'll be a long way away, I my last, if my wife and my children or grandchildren or family around around my deathbed, I won't be saying, 
could someone please bring me a, you know, a copy of my net worth? I just want to see just how much money that I make. I won't give a flying fiddlers. I look at the people and go, did I contribute to their lives? Did I spend time with them? That is, but I'm speaking to my values. That's what's most, most important to me. When I was in that, that situation, I was hearing nobody saying this, and maybe there's still nobody saying this, but we're saying this now. We're saying You it. know what? <laughs> How about be true to yourself, whatever that is. And if you're listening to this podcast and go, no, I want to build a business worth a billion euro. Fine, do that. That's cool. But realize, because we've referred to this before on the podcast, 95% of businesses will never exceed, is it 5 million euro or something? And of the, so only 5% of businesses will ever go beyond the 5 million euro value. And then only 0.5% of businesses will ever go beyond 10 million euro. So just be aware that if your mindset is in the, the 10 million plus bracket, you're in a tiny group of people. Now, the reason I say that is that what that tells me is that most entrepreneurs and most people who will become entrepreneurs will fall within that scale of sub 5 million, sub 10 million. So most of the entrepreneurs in the world and very successful people will small, will fall within that bracket. So that's the audience we're speaking to. And there's a huge audience there. But those audience, that audience who are happy to live life within that bracket are being influenced by a society that's telling them, no, we must shoot for the, we must shoot for the stars. Uh, but the reality is most of those people will never get there. So will they spend their lives feeling inadequate, feeling they haven't done it, they haven't done it properly? I'm suggesting there's something different that maybe life is not more satisfying if you have a billion dollar company. I don't know. Paul, how many entrepreneurs out there may be listening to this show right now thinking, well, I've got a $5 million annual business, but I'm not successful because they have this perception wow. and concept that it's, I'm not Elon Musk or I'm not Jeff Bezos or I'm not whatever. I don't have a billion dollar public company. And that's the pushback is you get to decide what that means. Yep. Don't let society tell you what your version of success is. And if you do want to do that, you better damn know, damn well know why that is and have that internal peace affirmed why you're driven to build that level of wealth. Because the larger the vision, the larger the sacrifice. And so if you truly want that, you've got to make sure that it's anchored in your spirit because I, or in your being, whatever you want to call it. Because I feel like if you don't do that, you can spend your entire life working towards something that's not truly yours. And that's why I think this work is so important and the things that we're discussing is so important for entrepreneurs out there to consider because without that consideration, it's easy to fall into that trap and that hustle culture and get caught up in all this stuff. So, but that's another part of the self-awareness, isn't it really? What, what, what you're saying there is it's not wrong to want a business, to want to build a business that's a million or five million euro. And it's not wrong to want to build a business that's a billion euro. Neither of those things are right or wrong. The question, is it you? Mm. Is it you? Because that's what you're saying. Are you looking inside and going, I'm doing this because I was put on this planet to create something enormous. And, and, and that's what I, I look inside in my heart and soul. Uh, and we spoke different about mindset and heart set. So when you connect to your heart, 
and you go, this is absolutely what I want to do. And when I get to the end of my life, that's what my life purpose will have been. And I'll be satisfied with that. If that's the case, go for it. But how many people striving along that journey, building, 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 are doing it because they think they're not enough. They're not good enough. They, 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 they're always looking to someone more successful instead of actually going, what do I really want? And, and the awareness for me was going, what do I really want? But without that awareness, and we've discussed this in detail in, in the earnest awareness episode, without that awareness, there is nothing. Will we move on to the second step? Yeah. And it's interesting, Paul, because we're getting through the, we got the first five steps that we're going to get through here, but we're the next stage. And we basically covered that now yeah. is, is the role of values and personal priorities, but we're going to go into the five steps here, but I just want to say this real quick because effectively what we just discussed is the importance of understanding your values and personal priorities, because if we don't, and that's why it's connected in many ways to the awareness phase, it's really, it's connected to each yeah. of these phases. And we've talked about this a couple of times, Paul. We've gone, we're going to have to do a values episode in the future yeah, I'm around like- I'm working on it. Nice. I, I appreciate that. I'm excited to see what you're working on. But moving into the stage two of, of our five steps to remedy burn, burnout. But I just wanted to mention that though, because personal priorities and our values are so crucial in terms of defining our success. And that's why it's tied to this whole process. Because without that, you can't do something that's yours. I was listening to, I listen to podcasts all the time. I listened to a podcast earlier this week from William Green. Is that his name? He's the guy who wrote Richer, Wiser, Happier. And they have on the bookshelf for anyone who's looking at videos. If I have it, I'll pull it out later. But he was interviewing one of the directors of Berkshire Hathaway, the company run by Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett. Two gentlemen I have a greater amount of respect for, because not because of their success and wealth, but because of their wisdom and their integrity. It's wonderful. But he talked about Warren Buffett designing his life and designing his career in a very simple way. And he said that Warren designed a life that suited him. And what that basically, Warren Buffett lives a very quiet life, goes, he's 92, goes to his office, reads and thinks. And I thought, isn't that, it's a very simple way of putting it. What we're saying is you have to understand yourself. You have to find the life. And we use the word values, understanding values. But ultimately what you have to go is, what is the life that suits me? Not what is the life that society wants? What is it that suits me? Yet two days ago, I was up in, not far from here, and I sold a, a rental property. We have the last one I have, and I have no more rental properties. And I sold it and we went for a celebratory um, cup of coffee in the village. And as I handed the keys into the auctioneer to go, right, money in the bank, it's done, it's gone. I felt a sense of relief because I realized that I like a simple life. And one stage mm. I had multiple uh, rental properties. I like a simple life and the simplicity for me of going, I don't want that responsibility anymore. But I'm, lots of people say it's a great way to make money. I have no doubt it is, but I've been in it for 20 years and I'm glad to be out of it. It doesn't really suit me because I like a quiet life. So it's, it's about understanding yourself, what suits you and, and creating a life around that. Paul, I think that's a great segue into step two of our, our to remedy burnout decompression, because in a way that was a decompression moment for you of letting go mm. of 
a property that was in your life that what you felt as you let it go, you realize that it was heavy on you maybe for the simple life that you want. And I think that's that could be an important component of decompression. We talk about decompression as a means to unwind ourselves, to disconnect, to pull away from the stage and aspect of burnout that we find ourselves in. And sometimes that may be relieving ourselves yeah. of burdens. Other times it's discovering things like meditation and journaling, getting in nature, taking time away from work, literally taking time off, a night off, a weekend off, weeks off. You yourself, when you went through to yeah. decompress, you took what, six weeks, I think? I, I, I can't remember, but I certainly took at least six Roughly. weeks. Maybe, maybe it was even three months. I can't remember. It was because it's a long time ago. But I think that I, I certainly took a, a, a period of, of time off. To, but you have to remember, I'd gotten stage 10. So I was at the very end of the road. So it was like make or break. I was walking away from everything. I was leaving the business. I was doing everything. And thankfully, I had this time to decompress because at the end of the decompression, phase, I made some smarter decisions because you don't make smart decisions of when you're wound up. So you have the moment of awareness, which you had in going, I, I don't, the CEO mm. position, which I had in realizing this business doesn't, doesn't suit me. But in that moment of stress, you can make some bad decisions. So if you get to pull away from that, I'm going to go, I'm going to let the air out of the balloon, as we've spoken about before, in that decompression phase, you are much better positioned to decide what really works. What's the heartfelt decision for me? What really suits me? What supports my values? And it took me that two or three months, whatever it was, to really get away from the business and go, okay, so now I'm not in the heightened stress state. I've come down a, a bit. Now I can begin to make some clear decisions. And it was from that point that I made some good decisions. And that, and from that point, as we move to a redirect, which is without the decompress, I don't think you can do the redirect properly because you will make the decisions from a point of stress and we don't make good decisions from a point of stress. But when you do the decompress, you give yourself that time out. And again, if someone has just listened to this episode, they need to go back to our decompress episode because we go through all the steps of how you can do it from meditation, journaling exercise, taking time out. So we have a real detailed conversation about that. But from doing that, you get a clear perspective. And from that perspective, you can start making some good decisions. And of course, with something like decompress, also what we say in that episode is that when you find the good habits that work for you, make them your lifestyle. Bring these things into your daily lifestyle so that you don't return to the chaos you're in, that these, you decompress and then you move on to a maintenance program to maintain a good mental, emotional health. On the upside, Paul, of our listeners is they don't have to reach that stage 10 of burnout. And ideally, if they start to notice that they're experiencing these things, they can actually decompress and, and do that in a more maintenance type mm. way from the beginning. Without you could maybe take time on the weekends or maybe you take time in the mornings before yeah. you start a day yeah. because you can start that practice because it really is a practice to your point. The maintenance yeah. component is the practice. Mm. But if you're an early stage entrepreneur, that's the value of this is you don't have to get to stage 10 but, and you need to take two to three months off of work mm. to gather yourself yeah. back and get clarity. If you start to realize, wait a second, 
I can start meditating now. I can start doing daily journaling to get clear on my values and the life that I do want. You can start to create that path towards your redirect, which is what our next step in our remedy of burnout is that redirect. So it's, it is important to know that decompression, regardless of where you find yourself, is a critical step. But it doesn't have to be a two to three month process. It literally can be something that you do an hour a day, depending on how much burnout you're experiencing. I think what you're saying is there is that decompression is a set of habits, a set of habits that allow you to remain in a, it, it, they're good for your mental, physical, emotional well-being when you have these habits. When you're very stressed, they decompress you. But once you're in a more relaxed stage or maintenance, they're the same techniques. And what you're saying is if at an early stage you start bringing these habits into your life, you never reach the point of having the, 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 the big decompression. Or maybe you will. You, maybe you'll go into times where it's an overwhelmed situation. And, and that's where I moved to. I would still experience, because it took me many years then to correct some of the issues in my business, et cetera. So I still had times of experience overwhelm, but I knew in my body when I was experiencing overwhelm, and I said, ah, now I know what I need to do. I need to head home early. I need to go up the mountain. So I had all these techniques instead of ignoring them. And if you ignore them for long enough, you, you have a problem. So that is the advantage of someone early stage is still study the deep, understand the decompression, understand that I need these tools in my life to become part, to keep me healthy. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the power of it is you can take that energy from the decompression stage and then start to redirect that energy, which is our next step. And the redirect is really about taking a lot of that negative, destructive, burnt out energy that we were experiencing, that we've been feeling and redirecting it into a life that we desire, the vision that we have that's aligned with who we are, that heart set. You, you said that earlier, we've got mindset and we got heart set. It's once you start to align those two pieces that, in my mind, is the ultimate redirect, is taking your mindset and aligning it with your heart set and then driving towards your vision that you have that lives in your heart. In my mind, that's really the power of the redirect. Yeah, I think in the redirect, you are, if you have to redirect to some degree, you're on the wrong path or some of your life is in the wrong path because you wouldn't have to change direction if it wasn't. And what you're saying there is that you're moving away from some stuff you don't want in your life and you're moving towards some stuff you do want in your life. Uh, and we've discussed this before, <laughs> that sometimes what you don't want is more powerful than what you do want. Sure, so, yeah. <laughs> and I know you've spoken with that in the past and some changes you had to make, but I probably think that in hearing you talking about those things, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you were looking at areas of your life going, I don't want to do these things. I'm not this guy. I, I have to become someone different. Did that motivate you to change more than the image of who the new Brandon was going, would be? So much so, Paul, because there were points when I felt this vision in my heart and I felt this version of myself, but I didn't know what that was. Yeah. I didn't know what it would look like. Like I, I was talking to my wife about this last night, thinking about my 22 year old self. I had no idea of the version I never envisioned me, this 38-year-old that I am now, when I was 22. I had no, I was clueless as to what I would become. And, but that's part of it. All I knew, though, is that I was suffering, I was miserable, I was in hell, 
And I had to get out of that. I didn't know what it was. I certainly knew something was better. All I knew is that I wanted to feel good with myself. I wanted to accept who I was and I wanted to be fulfilled in my life. I had no idea though what that would look and feel like and how I would feel on a daily basis, which is incredible. All I knew was hell was in my life now and I had to get the hell out of there. So that's it, Paul, to your point. It was the misery component that drove me. It wasn't this clear, beautiful vision of my life and what I yeah. wanted and knowing all these things, it was hell that I found myself inside that I was carrying with me everywhere. I think that's really important because I think a lot of people will listen to this and they will be in that hell you're talking about and they won't have the clear vision and, and they'll be going, okay, this is miserable, but I don't know what I want to make my life. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I want to, want to be. And what you're revealing there is that. That didn't matter. You just knew, okay, I don't know entirely what I want, but I know what I don't want. So why don't I remove what I don't want? Why don't I begin to create a life that doesn't have the things I don't want? And I begin now to give myself space for the other things to emerge and grow. So uh, we will do a session on, uh, on creating a life vision as well at some stage, but I wouldn't worry too much about that. If you're under pressure and you need to change things, start with removing the stuff that doesn't work from your life. Your life will begin to get better once you start removing stuff that doesn't work for your life. Because that it sounds like that's what happened to you. You began to remove those things. And now there was space for something new to emerge and merge in your life. It's interesting because you're 20 years younger than me and it, I, I don't remember the exact age. I was, but I, I was probably around my late thirties also, if we go back 20 years ago, when I really began to change things because I was working very hard on my career in business at that stage. And I was very finance folks, very growing the business. And, and it, it was probably around a, a similar age where I redirected as well. It's interesting, Paul, because, and, and I think that's a great segue into the fourth step, which is control because. Once we recognize where we are and not knowing, like removing the negative things, because that's where I've started. That is what's gotten me to so much of this. Yeah. And at, you said it great. You create space, which allows things to emerge. And the universe is intelligent and it will bring things in our life that will better serve us. The more we align with our values, this is the beauty of things. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have this crystal clear vision. You don't have to have all that, especially if you're struggling now. You just got to start to work at getting rid of and moving those things out that's burdening you and then healing from that perspective and then moving forward and allow things to flow in your life. And control, our step four, is really about that. It's once you start to recognize, okay, this is burdening me, this is painful, this is suffering, I know I don't want that, you can now start to take control back of your life. And the things that we talk about in the control episode are getting control of your diary, as you call it, so your time, your calendar, using your journal, understanding uh, what matters to you, what doesn't matter to you, learning to say no, setting boundaries, and prioritizing the things that you know, at least, it, and this is the thing too that happened, is I started to identify one to three things that I knew I loved. I knew I, I really enjoyed reading, I knew I enjoyed meditating, and journaling was becoming something that I had to do. So there was a lot of stuff in my life that I, I wanted to get rid of, habits, but those three things I started doing obsessively. And so 
as we move out of that, we'll, we will find a few things that we can start to lean into. And I think ultimately that's what control gives us, isn't it? Is taking back control of our life and our time. There's a wonderful book by Dan Dupani called The Unwavering Power of Focus, which I'm, uh, I'm very fond of it as a book. But uh, he talks about the fact that the power in our life is the power of where we put our attention and our awareness. But he describes it as having, I think he describes it as, a, as having weeds or flowers in your garden. And when it rains, the rain is indiscriminate. It doesn't mind. It, it will, whatever is in the garden will grow because the rain mm. and the sunshine. So if you have weeds planted, they will grow when it's, because the sun and the, 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 the rain is, doesn't mind what's there. Or if you have roses, they will grow. And I think when you have things in your life that need to be removed, if they're in your life, they're like it or not, they're getting your focus, they're getting your energy. And they will grow because your energy doesn't discriminate. But it's, it's, you bring your attention where you bring your attention. So when you remove some of those things from your life, you have the space to go. And you said it there, you realize what you really love to do. And now your attention is going away from those things that aren't working, the problem towards what you love to do. And you've just begun to focus your attention on what you love to do. And where you focus your attention is where your life will grow. And now, oddly enough, X number of years later, you're spending a whole lot more of your time focusing on what you love to do. As am I, we graduated there slowly. And, but if, you, if your focus is still on what you don't want, that's where, you, that's where you'll end up. And if you don't get control, some, if you don't begin to implement some control over your life, you won't get there. You have to choose, I don't want this activity in my life. I don't want this person in my life. I don't want to devote time to these things. And sometimes that's easier to go. I, I don't know where I'm going just yet, but I'm removing these from my life. I love to just say is, even if people aren't very clear about a vision, you said there, what do I love to do? Incredible question. And if you don't get the answer, ask yourself every morning when you get out of bed or before you go to sleep at night and continually ask it. And the answers will emerge. What do I love to do? What do I love to do? And lean into that as much as you can. That's what you did. And it's what I did. And it's great, Paul, because, and I think that's a nice segue into step five too, because it's it, that the invest step, which is investing into yourself, investing into your life. And if you don't know what you love and you're struggling with that concept, just think about one thing, one thing that you love. You, you have one thing in your life that you love right now. I know you do. you do. Even if you don't believe it, you absolutely do. And finding that one thing or three, two to three things and start investing in yourself, whether it's reading books, journaling, exercising, learning new skills, whatever it may be. But ultimately, investing in ourselves is the final step of remedying burnout because it's preparing us for that better future. And as we invest into ourselves, into our life, our vision clarifies. We learn about ourselves as we unpeel the layers of the onion of our selfhood. It's a journey. And I think that's the difference, too, is recognizing that by investing in ourselves, we're investing in the journey of life. We're here to create. We're here to build and share, particularly for entrepreneurs. We're often always driven by this kind of insanity that lives within us. But most of the time, we don't know exactly what that is. And so when we nurture ourselves, when we take the time to invest in our well-being and who we are, these beautiful things can emerge from that creative process and clarity can come from that. I'm thinking 
as you're speaking, a wonderful investment in, for anyone to make would be to, to take some time, piece of paper, which I, I love doing. I love thinking on paper and asking yourself the question. The first question is, what are three things I would love to do? I would love to spend time on. And they can be simple things as, you know what? I'd like to, on a Friday evening, just soak in a bath and light a candle and listen to some nice music. It, it doesn't have to be, it can be, but what are three things, small things or big, what are three things that I'm going to commit to? These are now part of my life. On a Sunday morning, I'm going to go for a walk with my wife and my children. I'm going to, I'm going to get outdoors. What are three things you can add into your life and write those down? Heartfelt things, things, your description is great. What are three things I would love to bring more of into my life? And starting from now, I'm going to write those down. I'm going to commit to those three things. And the next page is what are three things I'm going to remove from my life? Because I'm going to give more space. So what are three things right away? It could be an individual. It could be an activity, a behavior. It could be spending too much time scrolling online. It could be alcohol. It could be working late. I, 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 I don't mind what it is. If you, imagine how much your life would change if you could add three things you love and remove three things that were not serving you. If someone that would be an incredible investment in your health, your well-being, and your life. And if you look back, we talk about this often, and we say this the same for both of us. Wherever we are today, we didn't fall out of bed one morning and get there. We redirected our lives and we compounded and we continue. And we have these conversations, a self-education as well. They say, teach what you most need to learn. And I think the two of us are here because we most need to learn this in our lives. We need to reaffirm what we've learned and we need to educate ourselves for the journey that's, that's ahead of us. But if someone has to make those two changes, I think it would have a significant impact on their well-being. Be an amazing investment. If someone digs into the episode of investment, we'll talk all about the money we we both spent on on, on courses and all and courses, books, tapes. And certainly, if I roll back twenty years ago, you didn't have podcasts like this free. Someone can drive to work in the morning, and hopefully they do every Thursday morning and listen to this podcast and really get a positive vibe from it. And it's free. It's cost them nothing except their time drive, the commuting. Twenty years ago, I didn't have that, so I was searching maybe some books and tapes, but it just wasn't there. So I think there's small things right now. You could finish this um, episode and go, I'm going to write down those three things, three things I'd love to do, three things I'm removing. That would be alone, would be an enormous investment in yourself. And if you want to dig in much deeper, go back and refresh in the main episode, but that would be an enormous investment in your, in your, on yourself. And again, that's something you have to do ongoing. Don't commit to something you're going to do for the next week, please. Commit to a new life habit. It will, it, it will really be a great investment in your life. And you want to be redirected on a new road, you'll have done something simple, but something tremendously powerful in my view. Yeah, Paul, that's great. And I think just a couple more points we want to bring up before we wrap the episode. So we've gone through the five steps there of decompression and how to remedy burnout, mm. or I'm sorry, not de decompression, remedying burnout. Yes. The two things that I think are super important that kind of tie into all this is that it's going to be a continuous journey of learning and support, just as we've talked about. That's why this investment component is so important. And also the risk of inaction. It's, this is amazing that there are podcasts like this. There's books, there's courses, mm. there's all of these things out there. But 
what Paul and I are talking about right now, picking one to three things and taking action around it. The, the risk of inaction becomes very real when we consume information, but if we don't do anything with what we're learning, and that's what we're encouraging you to do is find those one to three things that are heartfelt that you can start doing today to start building up the habits of a new life that you may not even know yet of what that is, but you're feeling compelled in your heart to lead forward and, and lean into take action towards those things. And we've, we mentioned, and if you want to dig in, I talk about something in a past episode called ruthless action. We dive into that, but so take ruthless action towards the things that matter to you, what lives in your heart and commit to yourself, caring for your well-being in a way that you may have not yet learned to do because it's a practice and it's a process but it truly can transform your life. I think uh, you're reminding me of a conversation we had in the Invest episode where we, I admit to being a seminar junkie at one stage. And it, it's the same thing. You can listen to this and feel positive, feel good about it. Go, I really feel good that, that there's some great ideas in there. Hopefully that's what pe- how people feel about it. But they're wasted ideas if you do nothing about it. And so you do nothing about it next week, you tune in for another conversation, or you check a different podcast or something, and you feel good again. Ultimately, that is wasted unless you do something about it. So I think fundamentally, for anything we say on this podcast to be of value, you have to go, what's the one piece I could take? And often I think we cover a lot of things in just one podcast. So maybe a lot of information for people. I think if someone appro- a listener approached every podcast with the idea of, I'm going to take one actionable idea for this. There may be lots. I don't care. Take one actionable idea, write it down, and go, I'm going to implement that. Even if you need to go and you can rewind the, and listen to an episode again if you want to. We felt there was some stuff you missed. But if you could, if every time you listen to this, you took one actionable idea, 12 months' time, your life would be unrecognizable. That's it. And I think, and I love that, Paul, because that's a practice that you can implement in your life and you can ebb and flow with that. You can take one action, even if it's a book you're reading, if it's a podcast you're listening to, if it's a course you've taken, one action that you do out of that. And if you implement that, your life will transform. Mm. And I think that leans into the last piece, which is this is a lifelong journey. It's not about the end state destination that we're driving towards. It's the journey of creating and building and expressing ourselves and, and being of service in the world. That's the path of fulfillment. That's really what gets us up and going. I think truly as entrepreneurs is our ability to make an impact in the world around us. So it's a journey of continuous learning and growth that we are on. And when we frame things that way, when we recognize that this is a lifelong path we're on, you start to recognize that challenges and setbacks are all just opportunities for learning and growth and leveling up and getting better and becoming more of what we're in the world to be. I think there is no destination. I haven't found the destination. I've set Mm. multiple goals in my life, achieved multiple goals, life, multiple goals I haven't achieved. But I've come to the conclusion there is no destination. Just make the journey. Travel first class and enjoy the the journey because (laughs) turn your life into a first class journey because then you will enjoy it. I don't think it's a destination. And the reason I don't think it's a destination is I agree, we're entrepreneurs and we're always growing, always looking for something new, personally and professionally. But the reason is because I have achieved, honestly, so many things now that my 20-year-old self would have said, Paul, if you get there, if you have that, you're done, brother. You're d- that's it. 
hang up your boots. And the thing is, <laughs> I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, same age as me, uh, only earlier in the week, and we had the same conversation that yeah, hanging up your boots is no fun. And it, even if you're at a point where you don't have to generate income, hanging up boots is no fun. You always want to be pursuing something. So forget the destination. The destination is just to keep you moving. You'll get there. When you get there, you go, that's where I'm going. This is great, but that's where I'm going. So yeah, it's a lifelong journey. It's a journey you and I are both very excited by. I think it's probably the biggest reason we do this podcast because we learn so much in the exploration ourselves. But it's, it, it, there are no lessons here. We're not teaching you the how-to because there's nowhere to go. So there's no how to get there. There's just how we can live our lives better. That's exactly, man. Well said. Paul, with that, I'm excited about the the journey that we're on here together at The Inner Entrepreneur. Absolutely. I hope the audience, you're enjoying what we're sharing here, the content that we're creating. I know you've got some great episodes planned for what we're going to be focusing on next. We've discussed, we're going to be creating some episodes around values, some culture components. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that we've talked about creating the, the life that you envision. So we're really going to dive, continue to dive deep into the inner world of the entrepreneur and, and offer support to you on your journey of building the vision that lives in your heart, helping find clarity around what that is and taking action around bringing that to life. Mm -hmm. So Paul, for me, I think this is a great point to wrap the episode. Absolutely. Is there anything you'd like to share before we, we part ways? No, I think it was a very valuable conversation. I'm glad we did the wrap up because I can see now that it, I think it's a good summary for people. I hope many of them either go back and listen to all the episodes that are part of that or pick particular ones. But I hope it was a good summary and I hope people got a lot of value for it. So thank you for, we appreciate the time you take to listen to this. We really do. Absolutely. Well, there you go, y'all. Thank you, Brandon. So we'll be back next week. See you next My week. My pleasure, Paul. Thank you as well. We'll see you next week. We'll see everybody next week. Have a week. good one. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>